Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast. As we continue on during this season of Lent, this will be the sermon that I preach for the second Sunday of Lent. I said Lent, it's Advent. Uh, Advent. And this will be the sermon that I preach on the second Sunday of Advent as we uh, live into this sermon series that we are calling Do You See What I See? And I'll talk about that in a moment. First, let me read a the passage that I'll be focusing on. This is from Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. So there is so much in our daily lives that seem to overwhelm us, certainly in the news. Uh, Well, first I should say there are, for some of us, maybe many of us, many personal things that can be overwhelming, whether it is personal or professional or things that are burdening us, either with a family member or a physical ailment. So for some, if not many of us, we have that to deal with. And then when we dare to look at the news, we are also overwhelmed. Everything from climate change to impeachment hearings, it's a lot. And so it's understandable sometimes that we want to just leave it all behind and escape in some way especially this time of the year, we may want to climb into our own little Christmas bubbles. And so what do we do to escape from all of the things that give us stress and anxiety? You may have your own Christmas traditions that you partake in. I think a favorite Christmas pastime certainly is watching Christmas movies. And in recent years, a favorite of many, including some in my household, is watching Christmas movies on the Hallmark Channel or I should say Hallmark Channels, there are now multiple ways to see your feel-good Christmas movies, whether it just be the Hallmark Channel or Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. Apparently now you can also stream it at Hallmark Movies Now. What are some of your favorite ways to observe tradition, but also perhaps to escape for at least a little bit? Maybe it's snuggling up with a blanket, listening to some music, decorating some part of your home, maybe it's wrapping gifts. So all of these are great traditions to be sure, and it's certainly 
not a bad thing to want to escape from all of the things that can overwhelm us. But eventually, we have to emerge from these bubbles, and then we come upon some rude awakenings by the news and, again, the personal things that might bring us down. We may tend to see some of our familiar Christmas Bible passages in this way, things that we can go to that give us comfort, reading about the shepherds or the star or today's passage. Often this passage from Matthew is written in the church in what's called Epiphany on January 6th, the story of the Magi or the wise men, or we sing about the kings, however we want to translate it. This is often, again, writ a little bit later in the season, right around Christmas or again after Christmas, but I wanted to read it today to give us a another look. So I'll, I hope that I am not um, bursting any bubbles by having us take a closer look at this, because when we read this passage and really get a sense of what's underneath it, it may seem even sinister. But I hope that there is some message that we can get from it that can also be redeeming and can help us <clears throat> in our own faith too. I'm not here to ruin these well-loved passages, only to help us think more deeply about them and maybe give them a second look. So again, in this sermon series that I mentioned earlier, Do You See What I See? We're talking about eyewitnesses to the accounts of those who had lived and moved in the time leading to God's arrival on earth. Last week, I didn't preach, but the passage was about uh, angels. And so we focused on what did the angels see in that particular experience. Next week, we'll be focusing on Mary and Joseph. Today, uh, often when we read this passage, and I've preached this sermon too, we certainly, it's a, a good thing to think about what were the magi or, or wise men thinking? These uh, mysterious Eastern travelers coming to this place in Jerusalem, and what were they experiencing? So again, that's a, a great way to reflect on this passage. But today I'm going to uh, do something a little bit different, and instead I want to read this story, look at this passage through the eyes of Herod, which I don't think I've ever done before, but I think it's interesting. And again, this is where we get at reading more about the text and getting a sense of the context and uh, even the more profound meaning of the passage when we get a sense of who exactly Herod is. So from my Bible dictionary, it said that <clears throat> it says that Herod reigned the land of Judah, the king of the Jews, from the year 37 B.C. until his death in about 4 B.C. This was a reign that was marked by his total loyalty to Rome, to the Roman Empire. He sometimes had grandiose, even magnificent building programs, some of which were uh, quite remarkable, but his reign also included family strife and, in fact, harsh repression of anyone who got in his way. There are stories that tell us that Herod was not above killing family members, including uh, one of his wives and two of his sons, because he feared that his power would be usurped because of that. So it puts a little bit of a different filter on this passage when we think about King Herod and we may think of a benevolent king. Herod was not anything but benevolent. He was a tyrant. He loved, craved power and would do absolutely anything to make sure that he kept that power. So once we have that in our minds, as we begin to look through the eyes of Herod, now I certainly don't want us to then act like Herod after doing so, but again, to get a sense of what is Herod feeling if this is who he is, if he's a 
power-hungry and if he's a tyrant, then imagine here are these strangers again from a foreign land who show up and they tell him, hey, guess what? There is a new king of the Jews somewhere around here. We don't know if the magi, if the wise men really know about Herod, if they know that he's a tyrant, if they, if they know that he's power-hungry. We don't know that exactly. So they show up at his doorstep and say, hey, there's a new king of the Jews. We want, to, we want to pay him homage. We want to give him gifts. So what do you think Herod feels about that? This one who will do absolutely anything to keep in power. And then these strangers show up and say, oh, guess what? There's a new king. Well, the passage tells us this. The passage says, when King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. Actually, a better translation of the word frightened, scholars say, might be the word startled. And the Greek word for startled, this same word shows up later on in Matthew in chapter 14, verse 26. A few weeks ago, we preached or I talked about Jesus walking on the water. If you remember that passage, that sermon, and it says that the disciples were terrified. That's the same word that's used here when Herod hears that there is a new king out there. He is not just frightened, he is terrified. He is wet my pants kind of scared. Have you ever had that kind of feeling before? I remember a couple of year, a year or two ago, I went to see a documentary with my kids called Free Solo. It's the story about a man who climbed uh, a rock face in Yosemite National Park called El Capitan. This is about 3,000 feet uh, face of this uh, mountain, and he did it without any ropes, uh, without any safety precautions at all. It's just him and the mountain. And I still think, when I think about that movie, my palms start to sweat, and I get a little uh, sick feeling in my stomach. This was maybe just a little bit of what Herod was feeling. He was petrified, petrified of what was going to happen. One scholar says this, saying that historically, when Herod was frightened, people died. His paranoia led to more extreme actions as he tried to secure his his throne from all threats. That's from William Herzog, a professor of New New Testament interpretation at Andover Newton School. So if we get a sense here of who Herod was, And we can imagine in his eyes what he might have been feeling. It adds a little more drama to this whole story. So from this perspective, then, I guess you can pardon us if we don't quite believe him when he says this. He says in the passage, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may pay him homage. I don't think we quite believe Herod when he tells the, these wise men that, oh, I just, I want to worship him too. I don't think so. Jesus was a threat. And we can imagine that Herod was going to do absolutely anything to make sure that this threat was extinguished. Later on in the passage, of course, it tells us that word had reached the Magi after they had gone to visit and give these gifts to Jesus. And they decided to go back another way for their own safety, too. Jesus was a threat to Herod, to his power, to his lifestyle. 
How do we respond when we are faced with a threat? Maybe even when we are faced with the threat of Jesus. Now, that might seem to make no sense, especially for those of us who are Christians and draw a lot of comfort and strength, courage and power from following Jesus, especially this time of the year when we get out the baby Jesus in our crush sets. And that gives us earlier when I mentioned the little Christmas bubbles. Being with the crush set might be a little bit of that bubble that we feel at peace when we see that and think about this scene. And that's all good. But if we really think about what it means to follow Jesus, at times, if we reflect on it, we might realize that Jesus actually is a threat to our lifestyle, meaning Jesus challenges us to live in ways that are countercultural. So, in some ways, we are not unlike Herod in that we might feel threatened by that if we look at this through Herod's eyes. So, how do we respond? How do we respond when we might feel threatened by Jesus? Well, again, we might escape in some ways to try to just put ourselves out of Jesus' reach. We might ignore Jesus. We might skip over some of the passages in the Bible that really challenge us, that ask us to make changes in our lives, in our lifestyle, asking us to hang out, to spend time with people that we don't want to be around. And so we think, well, I don't think Jesus really meant that. And so we begin to write our own gospel because of the threat that Jesus has in our own lives. So what do we do? What do we do when we are faced with the threat of Jesus? I was inspired just yesterday by a conversation I had with a young man named Keelan Blackwell. I interviewed him for my other podcast, my Failing Boldly podcast, and this will be out in about three weeks or so, this conversation with Keelan. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Keelan is African-American. He grew up in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, and he described it as kind of a Cosby show upbringing. His parents were professionals. Uh, He had a good education. Uh, He had um, some of the advantages, perhaps, that other African-Americans in other parts of the country might not have had. And so I think he sensed that he knew that uh, he had it good. And then he went to the University of Wisconsin at Madison. And then after that, he felt a call to do something with his Life. So he actually went to the Peace Corps, spent two years in Thailand serving in that way. And so here we have this college-educated young man, just spent two years in the Peace Corps, coming back, and so many different options that he could do. And as he was talking to me about this, he realized he felt he had a, has a strong faith, too. And he, he sensed that God was calling him to do something else, to do something challenging. Maybe this was the call of Jesus that might have threatened him in some way. Because of his upbringing, because of the education that he had, he probably had lots of different options. But again, he felt God was calling him to do something else, something more challenging. And he felt called to come to Chicago. And he couldn't quite understand why. He fought this sense. He fought this calling. And yet he decided that I've got to go to Chicago and figure out what this is. And so Keelan is a bit of an entrepreneur, and so he started a couple things, tried to get some things off the ground, and none of them really worked as well as he would have liked. And he said, in all honesty, for a time, this is back in 2013, 2014 or so, he was homeless. He was couch surfing, going from place to place, spending, sleeping in his Jeep at times too. And I'm sure for those 
who loved him, his family and friends, they might have been thinking, Keelan, what are you doing? You have so much ahead of you. Why are you putting yourself through this? But this call from Jesus was so compelling to him. Now, at this point, I think a lot of us would have said, I I am not, Jesus is not calling me to sleep in my Jeep. But he was faithful. And he kept saying, no, this is something, Jesus is doing something with my life that I have to pay attention to. And so he decided in 2014 to try to start something else. And he started what is now called the Chicago Eco House. It's a 501c3. And what they are trying to do is it's located in the Englewood neighborhood of Chicago. And what they want to do is basically threefold. They want to transform uh, lots, abandoned lots, into agriculture, urban agriculture. And as a way to do that, they are hoping to bring about a green economy to provide jobs, for, especially for youth in these neighborhoods, and also to promote environmental sustainability. And so these urban farm, little tiny urban farms that they are beginning to create throughout the city, including particularly, they are growing flowers. And so in 2020, as an offshoot of Chicago Eco House, they're going to be starting what's called Southside Blooms. So they'll be selling flowers to people in the area and beyond. And maybe if you live in Chicago, this could be a way. If you are in need of flowers, either for a wedding or for your church, whatever, you can go check out Southside Blooms. And he's making a go of it. He and his wife, and he has uh, three children, and they live in Englewood. If you know Chicago, it's a it's kind of a tough neighborhood to live in, but Keelan feels called to be there. He has gone on to get a master's degree, is continuing to learn. But as I was talking to him, I was just so inspired by his deep and abiding faith that this is what Jesus is calling me to do. Now, in a sense, I think Keelan probably would say that when he first sensed this call, it felt a little bit like a threat. Like there are probably many other career paths he could have taken that would have been much more comfortable for him. But he had a sense this is not what, or that rather that Jesus is not calling me to comfort. Jesus is calling me to be faithful, and he's doing so. Many of us would say this is taking a big risk, but for Jesus, or for Keelan, he is saying that this is exactly where I need to be. And it's that kind of response, I think, that we need to think about in our own lives. If we, like Herod, feel threatened by Jesus to change our lives, if we feel threatened that Jesus may cause us to give up something in our lives, maybe you're in a place where you have to give up some power, you have to give up some decision-making, you have to give up um, a part in a relationship, whatever it is, how will you respond to that? Will you respond by ignoring this call? By just assuming that Jesus' call on your life doesn't pertain to you? Do you respond in ways that might be seen as harsh? Or will you say yes and begin to live your life as faithfully as possible? You might not be called to do something as big as Keelan did, but whenever Jesus calls us to do something in our lives, this sweet little baby who grows up to be one who tells us to follow him no matter what. I pray that during this Advent season that we 
Certainly take time to be comforted and to find peace in the familiar scenes of Christmas that we love, but also that we would remember that Jesus grows up and that he calls us to do something significant in our lives, which might seem to be threatening, but actually is faithful. Because Jesus also promises that with that call comes his presence, and that presence never leaves us and enables us to do far more than we could ever think or imagine. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for continuing to listen to this podcast. I appreciate it. I'll be back again next week as we continue this series. Do you see what I see? Uh, I have made the ask a couple times during this uh, season. If you haven't yet uh, gone online and made a financial pledge to Urban Village or just a one-time gift, that would be uh, greatly appreciated by us as we want to continue to grow our ministry into 2020, you can go to urbanvillagechurch.org slash give. And so until the next time that we're together, friends, may the peace of Christ be with you.